You're listening to Kapow, the pop culture podcast. Comics, television, movies, and more. If it impacts fan culture, we have something to say about it. And now, your hosts, Jordan, Cliff, and Seth. Hey, Cliff, I got a request. I want you to put, I want you to make up an intro to the Hard Knocks theme. Hmm, okay. I'm just curious. Just wait till it gets canceled. Yeah, when they, and then we'll have it ready. Yeah. When they cancel it. Yeah, but nobody cares about it anymore. We'll outlive them. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, here we are. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hard Knocks, the podcast about football <laughs> and sports. Foosball. I wonder if there's a foosball podcast. Hmm. I love playing foosball. We're the hard-hitting investigators bringing you all the news <laughs> you need from the going. gridiron. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> My testosterone just spiked right there. Hey, everybody. He's, we're not about sports. We're scoop low. We are now <laughs> the pop cultured podcast. My name is Jordan Lowe. Close Barnes. I'm Seth. What are we talking about today? Football. <laughs> the frozen tundra of Green Bay. Yeah, and those refrigerators, great. the Cleveland Browns, are going to get free beer. That's right. Week one, baby. Free beer in the city of Cleveland. <laughs> what show was that on? They did the math of there were like a hundred of those coolers mm-hmm. that each hold like two hundred beers, and the capacity <laughs> for the Brown Stadium is like ten times that. So it says the minute we're going to have a win, and then the city of Cleveland's going to burn down. We're going to <laughs> celebrate. There are going to be shards of <laughs> shards of futuristic coolers all over the place. Is it? Don't they have fresh? Dates on those beer, like yeah. What <laughs> oh, this, this, be this has been addressed. Oh, okay, what? Happened? Yeah, this has been addressed because somebody asked that question. <laughs> Some other smartass, yeah, asked that question. Yeah, and uh, and Budweiser put out a statement and said they plan on they will keep the Refilling beer up fresh. <laughs> Although that brand of beer, I I don't care if it's fresh or old, it all tastes horrible. So whatever. Not gonna sponsor us. That would be funny. It was like how many times has Budweiser had to go empty and refill us to keep that beer fresh until Browns get a win? Week one. Week one. Who they play? Pittsburgh. Oh my god. Week one. Tell. I'm calling it in Cleveland. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, folks. Doesn't matter. Well, they're, if they're not in Cleveland, how, how do they, they get, get the beer? beer? Well, I mean, not everybody. The city doesn't <laughs> empty out. Like, there's people that actually stay home oh, and watch wow. television to see the game, and Jeez. they're just going to camp out around those cool. We don't know how right. works. <laughs> Only thing Jordan knows is halftime. You go out there, and yeah, with the marching march band, get that marching band on. <laughs> Uh, what are we doing? We are being witty. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, easing folks in to the yeah. episode. Just to ease, lay on the couch, get you a big pillow. Close your get eyes. Get a beer that you paid for. Don't right. don't wait for beer handouts. Yeah, get something that has a chance of being crisp and fresh. <laughs> Guys, it was recently... <laughs> Uh, San Diego Comic Con. This was about a month ago or so. It seems like just Comic Con, right? San Diego, 
Comic Con International colon San Diego. Oh, TM. Um, yes, do not get sued by them. But uh, we talked about a lot of the trailers that dropped from there. We talked about the TV shows they announced. We talked about some of the gaming that was there. But we never really talked about any comic stuff. So mm. let's talk about comics. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Well, some people use their imagination. Well, I just hurried back to my comic book store where I dispense the insults rather than absorb them. It happens all the time. Read a comic book, okay? <laughs> Man, I was right on it that time. You were. That's probably the best you've ever done. And I thought, we better not point that out. And sure enough, he's like, hey guys, did you notice? But we I should also, got it right. we should point out my intro. I drug out my intro for way too long. It's like, hey, comic books are a thing that we could talk about. Gave them all the time in the world. Out the side of my eye. I'm you looking, got excited I appreciate it. I'm not going to have to actually edit this later. That's right. This one part. And then he, then we went on. And I heard that. that telltale click, click. <laughs> We gotta stop screwing around, guys. We have oh. breaking Pearl Mutter news. Oh, oh my, my lord! Not on it. I'm not oh, on yeah. it. Where's the drop? <laughs> it's coming, baby. Save Mark. Oh, Pearl Mutter. <laughs> ah. Man, just like old times. That's a good one. So, one of our favorite topics, Chairman of Marvel Entertainment, Isaac Perlmutter. We've been talking about him since almost the beginning of this podcast. We've been following his legal affairs, his eccentricities. As you do. Um, very interesting man, billionaire, real-life supervillain, and he's now making national news, not just yeah. in the comic book world. I said, we've been on top of it since yeah, day one. Yeah, just so you know, if you want to know where the beginnings of this, just go back in the archives. We were onto this guy a long time ago. So a report from ProPublica, which is actual journalism. We're not talking about like bleeding cool or anything. They were they were investigating. <laughs> He's real stingy about how he, he drags San Diego Comic Con, but <laughs> well, I mean, there's not. Oh, sorry, there's not. professionals. This guy's on it over here. <laughs> Kabang, Jennifer. You guys, you guys made fun of my mouse and I tried to run away. Go on. It was almost as loud hitting the floor as it was when you click it. <laughs> All right, ProPublica had an article investigating Perlmutter and some of his cronies that was titled "The Shadow Rulers of the VA: Colon How Marvel Entertainment How Marvel Entertainment Chairman Ike Perlmutter and two other Mar-a-Lago cronies are secretly shaping the Trump administration's veteran." Policies. Pearl Mother. Pearl Mother. I mean, everybody, everybody saw this coming, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've seen the smoky photos. So, uh, there's a lot of information here. I'm going to quote a lot of it because it's, it's you know, it's relevant. Actual, it's actual news. Yeah. And it's about Pearl Mother. Um, so there's this informal council that basically hang out at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. Right. Led by Isaac Perlmutter. There's a Palm Beach doctor named Bruce Moskowitz. And he's mostly well known for helping wealthy people obtaining high-service concierge medical care. And the third member is a lawyer named Mark Sherman. Was medical care in quotes? Uh, concierge was. Oh. <laughs> 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 so none of these guys have ever served in the military 
or the government, the U.S. military. Sorry, Pearl Mutter. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's from French Foreign Legion. Israeli. <laughs> <laughs> How Nick first? How Commandos? Pearl These, none of them have government experience, and from a thousand miles away, they have been uh, allegedly leaning on, uh, you know, <laughs> VA you officials. You can't do it without saying allegedly. That's that's our lawyer department stepping in. And they're steering policies that affect m- literally millions of Americans, and there's no oversight, no nothing. They remain hidden, except to a very few, like, insiders of the Veteran Affairs Committee and they've been, you know, they call them the Mar-a-Lago crowd or the Troika. They get, they have nicknames for them. They're so powerful and so sweeping. They've been taking on policy decisions, hiring and firing, micromanaging, uh, and they're 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 in contact at every level of the VA. They've been described like their CEOs, you know, pounding the desk and demanding results. So, and they're so powerful. They have, you know, Donald Trump's ear immediately. They're when they give advice, it's being interpreted as a direct order. So. When they say something, like, here's a suggestion you should make. People are going home, you know, back to their office. It's like, well, here's what we have to do. And if you want to make a presentation to the president, you have to go through them first. And apparently, uh, reportedly, Perlmutter played a key role in ousting uh, VA chief David Shulkin back in March and holding up medical record reform in May that was trying to pass through Congress. So this ProPublica report is just... It's, it's getting a lot of quotes from people and investigating this. And one of the cases they highlighted was a familiar name to Kapow listeners, Karen Donnelly. Ah. Do we remember tennis, her? The tennis expert. <laughs> <laughs> she managed the tennis courts in the private community in Palm Beach. Uh, and that's what started the Great War yes. with Harold Pierenboom. This has involved DNA theft and, oh, yeah. and threats through the mail and, and lawsuit after lawsuit. So we have covered this. In great detail, <laughs> anytime any show we've uh, labeled or you know tagged per, uh, Perlmutter in, where I'm sure we're <laughs> we're gonna have a record number of Perlmutter. <laughs> no, we really have. I mean, it's, it's fun. I mean, this is a serious story. Yeah, this is real news happening right now. But it's amazing that what almost three years ago we started talking about we Isaac hanging around. Yeah. Tennis court. Yeah, we were. We're like, what's going on over here? Nobody had even ever heard of Mar-a-Lago or or Pearl Mutter or Pyram Boom or Donnelly or any of these names, you know, before we started talking about it. So yes, this Karen Donnelly, Mister Pearl Mutter would just do anything for her. Apparently, she's so good at tennis. She asked him to help her son access his military medical records. And I put pressure on the compatriots to do so, even though that would have been a Department of Defense matter. It had nothing to do with Veterans Affairs, but, you know, you know somebody in high places, and he put the pressure on. So that was one of the cases highlighted in this report. Wow. And, of course, again, ties to our interests. So these three guys, after this came out, they made a statement downplaying their influence. Quote, at all times, we offered our help and advice on a voluntary basis, seeking nothing at all in return. While we were always willing to share our thoughts, we did not make or implement any type of policy, possess any authority over agency decisions, or direct government officials to take any actions. So their view of it is, hey, we're just giving the best advice we can. We're trying to help. What you do with it is up to you. So uh, 
So, mm. yeah, ProPublica has hundreds of documents and a ton of interviews with former officials. That uh, that tells a different story. Previously unknown triumvirate that hovered over public servants without any transparency, accountability, or oversight. They spoke with VA officials daily, reviewing all manner of policy and personnel decisions. They prodded the VA to start new programs, and officials traveled to Mar-a-Lago at taxpayer expense to hear their views. A former administration official was quoted as saying, everyone has to go down and kiss the ring. So if you wanted anything done in the VA, you couldn't go to the top. You had to go to these three guys, unelected, unaccountable, and get you know get get it passed through them first. And they're saying there's 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 no parallel to this in history. There in 1972, the Federal Advisory Committee Act was passed that, that provides a mechanism for agencies to consult panels of outside advisors. And presidents have done that before. You can use private citizens, you know, through this act with these. You know, rules and regulations, they're subject to cost control, public disclosure, and government oversight. Someone is keeping track of what's going on if you use these type of people. But there have never been outside advisors so specifically for this one agency. And when Trump first came in, he, he appointed a ton of people to random things. All his rich buddies got, you know, cabinet yeah. positions and appointed all these things. And some have stayed, some have left. But there's nothing like this in any other department. Where these people he's appointed have basically just taken over, and no one's keeping track or control of them. So the, the other quote they left was on any veterans issue, the first person the president calls is Ike, and that was one. Of, <laughs> if you remember, one of the big things Trump ran on, he said Obama screwed up veterans, and yeah. there's such a waiting list, and we're going to fix it. And so this was one of his main platforms was fixing the VA, and he's left it to these three guys, and mainly Ike Perlmutter. And that's where we are at the moment. People are not happy. So, yeah, after this came out, um, a couple of U.S. senators wrote a letter wanting to look into this, including Elizabeth Warren, one of the most famous senators mm-hmm. going on, could be a presidential candidate pretty soon, and Brian Schatz, the ranking member subcommittee on military construction, veteran affairs, and related agencies. So they are demanding an official an official investigation into Perlmutter's involvement. Quote, we are writing to request an investigation of the involvement of these three individuals in any activities of the Department of Veterans Affairs and to understand whether unqualified, unaccountable private citizens with no official government role or responsibilities had to continue to have any undue influence over VA decisions. Three members of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago private club have wielded disturbingly widespread influence over decision-making related to the VA, including personnel and programs. This trio has no military or government experience, and yet they reportedly convened regularly at the private club in Florida and remotely bombarded VA officials with demands, many of them inept or unhelpful. These unaccountable, unqualified influencers reportedly acted like board members pounding the CEO to turn around a struggling company when advising the VA, viewed themselves as making the decisions of the agency, and created a culture in which the VA officials needed to, quote, go down and kiss the ring on taxpayer-funded visits as a matter of job security. So Elizabeth Warren's not messing around. They want to get to the bottom of this. And who knows, nothing usually ever comes of things like this. But, again, of Trump's many scandals and in uh, yeah, the Hurricane Trump <laughs> <laughs> that just kind of swarms through yeah. everything going on in the government, uh, Mr. Perlmutter is right at the center. We're on to Yike. <laughs> Real-life super villain. Perlmutter. <laughs> we call it here, folks. All right. That was great. I'm mostly worried because 
Trump calls Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas yeah. because she claimed Native American ancestry. So if anyone's DNA is going to get stolen, oh yeah, someone's going to someone might be going after Elizabeth Warren to test. And if you don't know, that is if if you get your DNA stolen, that is known as being pearl muttered. <laughs> you only the only defense is a tinfoil hat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, like I said, there are so many things going on that that's not you know that's not the headline tonight on CNN. There, no. Yeah, it that's should be. It should be. Yeah, <laughs> we we just like any pearl. We like the name Pearl Mother. <laughs> that's that's all. That's it. So we're gonna be there. So some other comic book news. Hey, all right. Fifth annual Batman Day is coming up soon. Saturday, September 15th. Ooh. So we are closing in on the 80th anniversary of Batman and getting very close to Detective Comics issue 1000. So we have been leading to that. It will be coming up in 2019 pretty early on. And they've done, since the 75th anniversary, they've been doing Batman Day every fall. And fans who visit participating retailers... They put out a free reprint of the first issue of Batman White Knight by Sean Murphy, who wrote and drew that one. This is the first book from the new DC Black Label imprint that are kind of a little more mature, out-of-continuity stories by, you know, talented, famous creators. And then some retailers said, hey, these are mature. We can't give these to kids. So DC said, oh, yeah, let's do a kid's book, too. So they're reprinting an issue of Little Gotham. Which is uh, very kid-friendly, kind of the chibi, is that the term, the anime, like the very cutesy, small bodies and big heads versions of characters. So head to a comic shop or participating person on September 15th for Batman Day. Mentioned Batman's oh, I was religious proclivities. He's like 80, is the 80th anniversary. Yeah, he's going to be getting ready to kick the bucket here pretty soon. What's, uh, what, is he worried about where he's going to go when all this is over? Are you referring to the headlines recently about Batman being an atheist? Yes, and that's all I know. So tell, tell me, me more about, about it. Sam. Yeah, exactly. You tell me all about it. Well, I was just, I saw that he supposedly he. I, what, what was the headline? Something like, Batman confirms he's an atheist. And I, I just assumed that there was probably some sort of uproar online about that. And I'm sure it's coming when it hits airwaves and mainstream yeah. media is going to yeah. talk about it. I said it's a very clickbaity kind of headline, yeah. which wasn't really what the issue was about. Right. I was gonna, I said that the twist at the end was that Batman's not real either. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead and... Uh, well, the aftermath of the wedding that didn't happen, there was a storyline with Mr. Freeze where Batman is kind of enraged and beats the snot out of him. Okay. And then Mr. Freeze goes on trial. Bruce Wayne works his way onto the jury of this trial because oh, he knows yeah. Batman was wrong. He was just... Freeze was innocent of the crime and Batman just pummeled him. But the jury goes to deliberate and says, well, it's Batman beat Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze is a villain. He's guilty. Yeah. And Bruce Wayne has to step up and say, well, let's look at it. 
Maybe he's just maybe he's innocent this time. And Real Bruce uh, Wayne, twelve angry men. It's twelve angry men in Gotham. Yeah. So this final issue, Bruce kind of breaks down and talks about the tragedy of his childhood and how he used to have faith, and then he saw everything break apart, and he lives in a city full of monsters and demons. So it's hard for him to believe anymore. But what's always there? Batman. So <laughs> people have made Batman their god. They look up to this heavens for him to save them. Right. And he made this whole spiel. We've become too reliant on Batman. We, you know, he he said, "Who in this room is alive because of Batman?" And everyone in the room had to raise their hands because he saved the city countless times. Yeah. And then he says, "You know, but Batman's not God. He's fallible. He makes mistakes." And so it's a whole discussion about Batman's role in society and all that stuff. But you know, there's maybe one panel where he talks about. You know, I, I I have no faith or whatever. But you know, right. he's met so he's met Wonder Woman. He's met new gods. He's met you know he's met supernatural beings. He he was on the team with uh, uh, Zuriel, who is a literal angel in the Justice League. So so obviously, yes, he know yeah. So he knows God's real. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> Cliff. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> yeah, he, not much. I'm like, just I'm over a, here pushing buttons. He's like, I'm playing clips <laughs> over here. Yeah. Just play more Prince. <laughs> uh, a couple other quick little things. We're getting a graphic novel from George Takei about his childhood in an internment camp. Uh, it's called Sounds Fun. They called us Enemy. It's uh, coming out by IDW because that's become one of his major causes in his yep. later years is reminding the world that this happened and he was there. He was a kid, five years old, during World War II, put in an internment camp that we put Japanese Americans in because we didn't trust them not to be right. spies for the Japanese. It won't be long until... I mean, there's already people that want to deny that any of this stuff ever happened, so get when the people that actually had to live through it die off, mm-hmm. there will be there will be even more of that. So, yeah, uh, Congressman John Lewis just put out a trilogy of graphic novels called March, talking about his his you know uh, role in the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and got a lot of acclaim. So, it's just keeping those stories alive for the, right. a new generation. Right. Um, he told the Hollywood Reporter, "It has always been my mission in life to raise the awareness of the unjust imprisonment of Japanese Americans in barbed wire prison camps during World War II. But I had no idea how chillingly relevant that dark chapter of American history would be to our times today." So he's going to get his life story out there. Cool. And Marvel Knights is returning. Uh, the line began twenty years ago. During the decline, twenty years ago, twenty years really? ago, nineteen ninety-eight, the decline of Marvel. They had filed chap- chapter eleven. They were going down the tube. Sales were terrible, so they basically handed the reins to Joe Casada and said, "Hey, make something new." So the initial lineup: Daredevil, Punisher, Inhumans, Black Panther, followed by a lot of others. Yeah. They'd done over three hundred issues before they wrapped it up in twenty thirteen. So Marvel's in kind of a similar state today. The sales are not good. There's very few hits coming out. And they're, they're given the, the line to Donny Cates, who's a very popular writer at the moment. He's writing a ton of stuff. Uh, he broke out mainly on Redneck, the, the Vampires in Texas book from Image. He's writing Venom at the moment. He wrote a run of Thanos that people really like. So they haven't announced what the books are, what the characters are, but they said, you know, expect some B-listers, expect... Put a new shine on some some underused characters, 
and they're letting him assemble the creative teams and kind of they use the word showrunner basically like the television show. Donny yeah. Cates is going to have kind of carte blanche to, to just do a new line of books. So I said Marvel hasn't had a whole lot lately to get excited about, but I think that might be one. Isn't that crazy? And as popular as they are in the movies, mm-hmm. that is nuts. I was going to mention that you know I've been reading Cap, and I like this new way they're going. You know, in the seven hundreds. Yes, we're at yeah. It's well, it's a new number one now. Oh yeah. But we have legacy numbering right. as well, so you get, Which, get your cake. I am a huge fan of that. Yeah. To be able to look at it and still see the legacy numbering, that's. I hope they don't drop that. But I've sent you guys pictures of panels up. Uh, it's like I love use art. And it's just it's just good. It's a mm-hmm. it's a classic feel to cap, and I like the thing they're doing, like him and age of 13 she's still old yeah and I like that this last issue that I read where uh, they still have a romantic relationship and it I mean yeah I don't he's know. not like ew gross you have wrinkles right. yeah it's yeah. it's well done it's like <laughs> they're I both mean, hundred years old it could easily not have been a lot is weighted on the way it's drawn like mm-hmm. she's he they've aged her but she's you know obviously there are attractive older people and they just it was a nice balance it was like she still looks it's all all still believable plus you know his history he's a billion years old and it's just so well done I love that they he yeah he didn't just ooh and they don't have a relationship anymore you know it's pretty cool it's good good stuff and the biggest news out of San Diego was Grant Morrison taking over Green, The Green Lantern they're retitling it and giving it a new number one with artist Liam Sharp The and Green Lantern he is going back to the core the core concept <laughs> uh, kind of like the uh, you know all-star Superman kind of look he wants timeless stories they're cutting out the supporting cast and all the you know if you've been reading it at all in the past few years everything is bigger and you know Every story arc has to blow up the core and rewrite history. And the Guardians kept a secret from us. And he wants <laughs> DC. he wants to keep it lower stakes, fast paced, and he used the phrase super compressed. Hmm. So he wants a more episodic take instead of these long winded storylines. And his quote: "No one in the foreseeable future is likely to do as all encompassing and thorough a job developing the Green Lantern mythos as Jeff Johns in his seminal run from 2004 to 2013." We're not even going to try. So that's probably the most magnanimous way to say, I'm doing something completely different. What you did before was great, but we're doing something completely different now. So he says, this is where the Green Lanterns get down to the daily grind of policing the universe. These are down and dirty cosmic procedurals, and I'm approaching this more as a TV show than a blockbuster summer movie. Hmm. So if you're tired of the purple lanterns and the blue lanterns and the just constant huge epic scope of stuff this might be the Green Lantern you've been waiting yeah but they, they just introduced not too long ago the the uh, ultraviolet lantern yeah. John yeah. Stewart was the first yeah we're getting so, rid of all that yeah so much for that <laughs> forget all that yep forgot so just quick rundown we haven't talked about some recent releases lately I had Captain America to mention from Ta-Nehisi Coates and Lionel Yu which got the thumbs up from Seth there we also had the Sandman Universe one-shot. So this was kind of spearheaded by Neil Gaiman. Uh, this was the one-shot launching four new interconnected Vertigo books 
going back to the classic world vertigo you know fantasy horror type world they're launching uh do the dreaming books of magic which is tim hunter before harry potter there was a young boy who learned witch witch and wizardry Uh, he could have had his own theme he could have song that was the other episode uh lucifer and house of whispers they're introducing it used to have a house of secrets house of mystery we're introducing a whole new house of whispers uh, Marvel launched Infinity Wars. We have a whole new Infinity Watch and all the, the Infinity Gems or Infinity Stones, I have to call them now. They're all on Earth right now. And a mysterious character. I'm going to spoil it. Do it. They murdered Thanos. <gasps> what? Somebody with a sword that had the power gem in it beheaded Thanos. Whoa. And they unmasked and it was Who's, Gamora. Oh. Oh. So Gamora took care of her dad and is on the way to Earth to it because she doesn't trust anyone else to have all the stones and part of her is locked in the soul gem and she needs to get it out so she's been fighting her friends she killed Peter Quill and then Doctor Strange immediately reversed time and saved him and so it's one I of those things I think she'd have the stones to do yeah. that <laughs> so it's one of these mini series that has snare drum guy you're supposed to <laughs> don't touch the mic yeah so one of these miniseries is going to have crazy huge stakes, crazy deaths, crazy thing, and who knows, it might all get undone as well. But hmm. uh, and we have, I think we mentioned before, Injustice versus Masters of the Universe. Right, yes. another, another He-Man crossover. Nothing wrong with that. That where you're talking about that um, Gamora stuff. That reminds me, of, I always like this series, like The End, mm, and, yeah. and like The Last Avenger story, all that stuff that you know. They can get real epic and do crazy things, and uh, those are fun. Uh, Fantastic Four is back. Dan Slott and Sarah Pacelli, after many years, speaking of Isaac Perlmutter, not wanting Fantastic Four around, came back, and they did not even reunite in the first issue. Reed and Sue are still missing, but the book is back. And there was a backup story with Doctor Doom, who's been trying to be kind of a hero lately, and they got him back to more of his villainous ways. Uh, Alan Moore launched the last Leave Extraordinary Gentleman miniseries because remember he's retiring from comics again. <laughs> the Tempest is a six-issue story called it "The Story to End All Stories." I haven't read the last few; they're really dense and complicated and not great. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say. Okay. But they have a lot of fans. People, you know, very literary. This is the very all the literary characters. If you remember the movie. Yeah. The Invisible Man and, and oh, yeah. Mina Harker from Dracula and all these characters. Uh, Image launched Die, Die, Die as a secret. This is Robert Kirkman's new book. And it just came out on Wednesday. It just arrived in my boxes because Kirkman said he missed that feeling of going to the comic shop and not knowing that you're going to buy. Everything is advanced solicited and previewed and reviewed and hyped months in advance. And he wanted to put something out that no one had heard of. It was just an exciting, a crazy new, new thing. Did you, you pick one of those up? Didn't yeah, you? I like Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> this was very over the top. Uh, it's about secret government cabal of assassins who manipulate the world. So it's very. It felt a little Kingsman or a little bit like yeah. that. Very ultra violent. Crazy. I guess I'm right now. I'm at the 
if if I started hearing a bunch of stuff about how it's so good, then I may get interested in yeah. it. But the first first issue didn't blow me away. Uh, extermination from Marvel. If you remember the the five original '60s X Men have been around. Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Beast, and Angel. They've time-traveled those. Bendis did that like five years ago. And they've still been hanging around in the modern age, confusing everyone with multiple versions of each character. So they want to start wiping those characters out. And this is the miniseries that's going to do that and kind of reset history. And the first issue, uh, someone is hunting all these mutants and like captures Iceman. And Cable tries to save them, and they kill Cable. And then at the very end, you realize the guy hunting them is a young Cable. What? So, like, a younger future version of Cable kills old Cable, so we get a handsome, cool, young Cable instead of a craggy, old, creepy Cable. Creepy Cable. Creepy Cable. Pearl launched from Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos, the team behind Jessica Jones. This is the first title, first creator-owned title going through the DC branch of his Jinx World books. So this was the one about the, the tattoo artist in San Francisco who accidentally kills someone and gets wrapped up with the Yakuza. So we're going to see how that does in the DC brand of books, having a mature reader, kind of crime book, has nothing to do with superheroes. We'll see how that works. It was a pretty solid first issue. I love Michael Gatos's art, the very photorealistic look, mm. really beautiful stuff. They launched Amazing Spider-Man is back. Nick Spencer took over that with Ryan Otley doing the art. He's the artist of Invincible from Image, the Kirkman book. Did you read Invincible? Uh, I've read the first few story arcs. I've never. It's over now. They've wrapped right. it up. So I, I do want to reread it. That's the. That's how point. I feel. Like I, I, I feel like I want to get like a big collection of it, whatever the nice collection is, and mm-hmm. try it out because you know, I just have never read it. I liked what I read. It's. You know, it's it's pure superhero stuff. Yeah. It's nostalgic. It's fun. It's it's crazy. You know, aliens and monsters and time travel and all kind of weird stuff. Mm. So, but Ryan Otley's art is terrific and it very clean looking, uh, very iconic. You know, superhero superheroes with big you know cleft chins and yeah. stuff. Just and it works really well for Spider Man. They're bringing Peter back to basics. They stripped him of his fortune that he's had lately. They stripped him of all his degrees because they. They said they figured out there was plagiarism. Some of these papers he wrote to get his doctorate were actually written by Otto Octavius, which he got his doctorate while Otto was right. in his body with his brain. So Peter basically plagiarized himself, they're saying. So they stripped him of all his degrees. He can't get a job. He has no money. But Mary Jane is back, and they are back together. And it was just such a heartwarming moment where it's basically one of those, it's always been you, Pete. And just oh, just right in the, the heartstrings. Peter and Mary Jane are back That's together. In the first issue, yes, yes, cool. And Justice League Dark. We got Wonder Woman leading a team of uh, yeah, I've heard about this magicians and misfits like Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Man Bat, and of course Detective Chimp. One of my favorites. So something <laughs> is going on in the mystical realms. And the you know the regular Justice League is too busy or too ill-equipped to deal with it, and so Wonder Woman's getting her it own seemed, team together. Yeah, and she seems like an odd choice for this team, don't you think? Well, they're trying to give her more spotlight, more leadership, and you know, but you know, she was made out of clay or whatever. You know, she's, you well, Amazon's that's, that's dealt, true. She's dealt with magic before, so 
Although that, you know, that's even brought up in the first issue is the Tana's like, aren't you a little out of your element? So she has to kind of prove her bona fides. Uh. Alright, that's a lot of comic book stuff that no one... That was a lot of comic book stuff. No one... After the Perlmutter stuff, I feel like we're going downhill. (laughs) We need a new topic. Stat. (laughs) We got Cliff. Oh, the Lord. What the hell is a sticky maple? Run. Very run. That's what I do. I dream. And I know things. Go get him, Supergirl. Well, what this guy look like, anyway? Oh, he's a little guy, kind of funny looking. Aha. Uh-huh. In what way? Oh, just in a general kind of way. Exterminate! Little pig, little pig! Let me in! These violent delights have violent ends. That's what she said. Groovy. TV! What are you watching? <laughs> Don't come to me because I finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. Oh my gosh. What is, it's not coming back for a while, right? It. This was on my DVR forever. This ended, It's already on Netflix. It's, you know, whatever time it takes to go from yeah. network to Netflix has already passed. All I've heard is this last season was good. Like, it ended so well. I was so bored. I didn't care at all. That's how I've always felt watching that mm-hmm. show. So it I drug on so it. long. They brought in Graviton, a classic Avengers villain. Oh, yeah. And he looked kind of cool. The effects were good. But by that point, I was just so ready for it to be over. Checked out. I got to the last episode on my DVR, 10 minutes to go, 5 minutes to go. Like, this is not wrapping up at all. To be continued, I apparently missed recording the last episode. So I had to go to to Netflix. I had another hour to get through. And guys, it was a great episode. Do as I need we, to watch You always said, say that, that about this show. And I, I, I did not like this season, but <laughs> I'll be dipped if this last episode was not great. <laughs> never. I've never. I don't even know why. I'm looking back at my list here, and I don't know why I have these other possible episode <laughs> titles written down here. Okay, <laughs> go on. It should be the series finale, mm. because it wrapped up Almost everyone's storyline. It gave Coulson a strong ending. It gave all these characters, you know, it kept them around. They're still S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but it ended with this triumphant, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. is back and we're here to save the day. And, like, it was just so well. Everything just meshed together in this final hour of a series I was so sick of. That it just it begrudgingly won me over. I'm like, this was such a good episode. I, can't, I You could literally watch the first and last episodes of every season and be fine. Maybe yeah. I'll do that because I hate that show. <laughs> I mean, I seriously, I never liked it. I think it's all the action is really cheesy and the acting's cheesy and stuff. But it, it feels very low budget. Yeah, it's it always is. Yeah, it's it just be in a dark room and with our <laughs> leather X-Men suits on. And you know. But there was... The best Easter egg they've ever done. There's a teen girl was the the villain they were grooming, and she had a Steel Town Rockers poster on her wall as like her favorite band. Does anyone remember the Steel Town Rockers? I've heard it, but I can't remember. It was an old '90s comic miniseries about a rock band called. Uh So it's a it's a it's a reference to Marvel's uh, '90s era. But yeah, they announced season six is coming back. I said this should have been the capper, right. but they're going to keep beating the dead horse. It doesn't come <laughs> back until July of 2019. 
And yeah. There are going to be fewer episodes. It's not going to be a 24-episode season or whatever. And it's titled, season six, they've given, you know, every episode is, or every season is titled Ghost Rider or whatever. This one is titled Missing Pieces. So the implication is it's after, this is all after Infinity War. So if they might pick up on what's been going on, this will be after Spider-Man Far From Home, which will involve S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain Marvel, which will have Coulson Mm -hmm. and, and S.H.I.E.L.D. So... They're waiting till both these movies and Infinity War Two will be over by the time this comes out. So whether yeah, it deals right. with the fallout of that, they've been kind of reluctant lately to deal with any of that. But who knows? There might be a Shield Renaissance on the way if they have time to write uh, scripts. And, I think that's a terrible idea to rely on all of that stuff. And I mean, they, I think most of these things do better to ignore the other bigger universe. But I may check out at least the last episode. Hopefully it doesn't. I like Graviton. I just remember from the West Coast Avengers mini limited series. That was when I, first time I even knew of him but in the early 80s. Because I remember they like back-to-back they had the Hawkeye miniseries where he met Mockingbird. Yeah. And then the, the four-issue uh, West Coast Avengers. It was Graviton was the bad guy. Good stuff. Still have him. <laughs> Well, um, I'm not sure if we talked about this. I saw the, I know it's streaming, but I saw the uh, the little teaser for Runaways Season 2. Uh, I haven't seen released. it. Yeah, it was kind of like a, uh, the Runaways are have made like a videotape and just saying we're safe, we're not coming back, that type of thing. Um, and it has the whole cast in it, just a little quick it, to the that point. supposed to come out? Uh, pretty soon, I think. Really? I still have held out. I still haven't got my Hulu back yet. So. Oh, yeah. did you, but you watched the first season of Runaway? Yeah. yeah. You watched the first episode yeah, the other they, night, right? I, I, I feel like we mentioned this before, but after the finale of Cloak and Dagger, right immediately following that, they played the first episode of Runaways on Freeform, right. which is all tied in with Hulu and stuff. Right. So yeah. I thought it was good advertising for people who... You did know, it, the did it make show. you want to go out and and I I thought it was good. Yeah, it was interesting. I'd like to see it. I'd like them to play it on freeform. I could just watch it, but <laughs> right. but you know, just ignore the part in one of the last episodes where they put a truck down a hole or something. <laughs> I hated. <it. laughs> but Cloak and Dagger are the original you know, teen Runaways from Marvel. So yeah. and they guest starred in the Runaways comic, so it's a natural pairing. Oh, if yeah, you like yeah. Cloak and Dagger, you would probably like Runaways. So very good marketing on their part. Yep. Yep. We gotta mention, um, Yellowstone again, just cause you and I were talking about it earlier. So we're getting ready to wrap up. There's only one episode left as we record this. And we were discussing how terribly ridiculous it has gotten. Oh, like, I still like it, but. Pedal to the metal. Like, the most extreme, ridiculous things that could happen in what should be, you know, a modern day western has become Bad Boys 2. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what the hell's going on. But Oh, it's every character, every time they leave the house, is getting shot at. You, might, or, you better say goodbye to everybody. Yeah, there's a car chase, somebody's pulling a knife on them, bears are attacking them. You know, yeah. like, you're out of this family. <laughs> anyway, I like it. <laughs> and I, every episode has been written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. It's yeah. it's truly his... I've lost no respect for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm enjoying it. I like the. I what really made me smile watching it was, I 
know if you rec- recognize, but they use Pussifer as a band. I mean, it sounds like a really <laughs> strong name. The but music's been very good. That's, that's who it is. I saw them at concert in Columbus a few years ago. It's that Maynard, the same guy from Tool and Perfect Circle. and But that Green Valley song they used a couple times in the last episode. I, I just like that. I like him. Good stuff. Any other TV? Uh, we got a series order for Watchmen at HBO. Oh, I want to know all about this. We have been talking about this for, seems like, a long time. Yes. So what do we know now? So we... Uh, it's been rumored for a long time. They were shooting pilot and trying to figure it out. There's there's a cast list out there. There's a lot of famous people in it. And HBO tweeted a short little, like, four-second video of the smiley face. And it said, nothing ever ends. Hashtag Watchmen HBO. Hashtag Damon Lindelof. So that was HBO. Hashtag I'll be dipped. (laughs) (laughs) So it's official. It is going to a series in 2019. Um, They described it as set in an alternate history where superheroes are treated as outlaws. Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel while attempting to break new ground of its own. So the website I saw this on uh, showed Damon Lindelof wrote a novel to the fans, basically. Posted it to Instagram. It's very long, but it's very well worth reading. Um, just him describing his own trepidation. He said he's turned it down three times. He was asked to do this for HBO. It said, like, the year the movie came out, HBO was like, hey, we should do a Watchmen show. And he's like, no, I'm not touching that. <laughs> and they came back to him later said, well, now it's time to do Watchmen. He's like, no, I can't do it. Talking about how his dad basically introduced him to Watchmen back in the 80s and how much it meant to him and how much respect he has for Alan Moore. So uh, after reading this, I think I'm on board. I'm, I think I'm ready for this. I'm ready. Yeah. He says, uh, we have no desire to adapt the 12 issues Mr. Moore and Mr. Gibbons created 30 years ago. Those issues are sacred ground and will not be retread, nor recreated, nor reproduced, nor rebooted. They will, however, be remixed. Here's where I started to lose. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? Because the baseline in those familiar tracks are just too good, and we'd be fools not to sample them. Those original 12 issues are our Old Testament. When the New Testament came along, it did not erase what came before it. This story will be set in the world its creators painstakingly built. But in the tradition of the work that inspired it, this new story must be original. Referencing Alan Moore's propensity to use literary characters yeah. or, you know, Watchmen characters are based on the Charlton characters. So he, that, Alan Moore remixed the Charlton characters into Watchmen. So this is the lofty goals he's setting, what he wants to do. It must ask new questions and explore the world through a fresh lens. Most importantly, it must be contemporary. The Old Testament was specific to the 80s of Reagan and Thatcher and Gorbachev. Ours needs to resonate with the frequency of Trump and May and Putin. The end of the world is off the table. Uh, he said they just HBO just had that show about the apocalypse. What's the one where all people disappeared and all that stuff? Oh, uh, left, uh, shoot. Yeah. Leftovers. Lost. Leftovers. No, yeah. Lost. <laughs> Lodge 49. No. Um, so he said that they're not, you know, HBO already had a show like that, so that's not what this is going to be about. It's not about the Cold War, yeah. nuclear weapons, or invading aliens. Which means the heroes and villains are playing for different stakes entirely. Some of the characters will be unknown, new faces, new masks to cover them. 
We also intend to revisit the past century of costumed adventuring through a surprising yet familiar set of eyes. Huh. I think I'm in that. Yeah. That he assuaged yeah. all the questions we had of like, what are they just going to recast Rorschach and do a new thing? Like, yeah. it looks like they're going to be in that world, playing in that style, but at least trying to do something completely new. And I think that's what I would want. Yeah, I'm excited. Now, do you have I can, HBO? If I don't like it, I can just stop watching. It. I can get it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you make a call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm. HBO just has such a I a great reputation on their yeah I, on I their have series. Full, full faith in HBO. If this was coming to Showtime or something, I would be yeah. But uh, HBO, I said they so rarely miss. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be dipped at that. Point. <laughs> oh man. Ah, uh, is that it for TV? Apparently, sounds like it. so. Movies. Oh, that's not the order we had it, but... Oh, whatever. What is, what is next? It's all right. We can do it. Yeah, you were going to job it up or something? Hold on. Job it the up. Save Martha! Puny God. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I'm Batman. Kneel before the sun! Under roof! Set it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. So what's it going to be, huh? Long, sullen silence? Or mean comment? Go on. You got me in a box here. <laughs> movies! Yay. Anybody see any movies in the theater? <laughs> yeah. What new Winnie the Pooh movie came out? <laughs> oh, I know. I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> Unfortunately, none. Oh. I did go see a movie though. Really? Um, like you've been on quite a streak here. I, I have been. Did you get movie pass? I did not. <laughs> Jesse told me not to get it. <laughs> no, uh, we had an afternoon. I was off work uh, Wednesday this past week, and um, my daughter wanted to go see a movie, so we trekked on down to our local Odyssey Seven Theater in Marietta, and she wanted to see the. God, what was the name of it? What time was this? Because I was at one o'clock. The oh, I went at four. We were the only ones. We were the only ones in our theater. Yeah. I went. Um, Hotel Transylvania Three. No, that's not what. I <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. So I actually had only seen parts of one of these movies. I think. This but, is Adam Sandler. Yeah, this is Adam Sandler and all his buddies. Running a hotel of some sort? Yeah, he plays... <laughs> that just, was so just patronizing. Trying to, just trying, to, yeah. get, just trying get, to get out to speed. Trying to get there. Well, if I haven't seen the first two, I don't want to be left behind. That's right. That's, that's a good point. In Transylvania? Yeah. Adam Sandler plays... He's the voice of Dracula. And apparently in the first movies... <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, blah blah blah. I don't say blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, the first few movies to catch you up real quick. He's Dracula. He has monster friends and a daughter. His wife has passed on. Um, I don't really understand how that worked, but because they're it's vampires, a, um, a graveyard smash. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Um, Dracula and his son. Uh, yeah, he has a daughter. She gets married to a human. Um, basically, the underlining story of these movies apparently is whether you're monsters or humans, we're all very similar and alike, and we can find commonalities and live together and be happy. I fundamentally disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but in in hotel <laughs> in hotel Transylvania three, the big, I need to be won over by Adam Sandler yeah, and his the, plucky group of monsters. The the big kicker is they're going on vacation. That's what my daughter told me. She says in this movie they're going on vacation. Are they on a cruise or something? They go on a cruise. Yeah, and so he is a Dracula that normally manages a or owns a hotel. That is their business. So their business is travel and tourism, and they're going on a cruise. And uh, the cruise director, spoilers, is the great granddaughter of one of the of Van Helsing. Are you done talking yet? Can I unplug my ears? <laughs> so yeah, but uh, it was actually okay. I it, for an anim- it was much better than I anticipated. Those the movies movie. are popular. In yeah, it's a, three of them. Yeah. If, uh, if for so- Sony Animation, I do believe um, for being a spits on the ground. He mentions yeah, a different for being a non Disney animated feature. It was pretty good. <laughs> Always got to uh, have a caveat there. I'm not big on these. You know these these other non Disney movies. That always are more about the we know, big star. Period. Of I'm the not yes, big on those non-Disney That's, movies. He yeah. wasn't going to spend beyond matinee prices on it. You are correct. <laughs> but um, it was it was good. It was good. I went uh, saw a movie that day. Yeah, a few hours after you. Uh huh. Friend of mine texted me and said, "Hey." You see Mission Impossible? Oh my god! <laughs> I also feel like we've been dropping the ball. The actual title is Mission Colon Impossible, right? Always has been. So always. I feel like yeah. for Mission Colon, yes, for we clarity's should. sake, yes, we always should have you know, made a big point of that. You're right. Um, I bet I did when we announced the for the year. Well, anyway, he. He's like, is that any good? I'm like, uh, I'll pick you up. <laughs> Let me give you a magnet to listen to our podcast. Yes. So, yeah, we... What we, kind of a friend is he that doesn't listen to the podcast? It's the guy that I was talking about. We used to, He'd have to grab the wheel when I climbed out on the car <laughs> to the Mission Impossible theme. So. so we went and saw it. It was fabulous. My third viewing. Even though I'd like to throttle Odyssey 7. I, I'm the guy that calls and says, what theater is each movie playing in? You know, I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, it's in four. I'm like, it's already moving down the scale of <laughs> what size theaters, which, you know. I, they're like, but this weekend it's going to be in a smaller theater than that. I was like, okay, I'm telling this guy we got to go Wednesday or Thursday. I saw this in IMAX. I can only go so small after that. We go, and of course, they totally didn't know what they were talking about, and it was in the smallest theater already. It was still fine, but they just look at you like bumbling fools. Huh? What? And then I go in there, and they don't have the... Because they have to like bring the border down to the screen, otherwise it looks like they're just projecting like a blob up there. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to go out and say, to the manager, who doesn't, you know, I don't even know. I'm like, hey, can you fix the thing? Oh, okay. 
The Cinephiles Regal 7. Oh, it really bugs the crap out of me. I bet you you literally have one I bet you're the only guy that calls into Every time you do, they're like, oh, that guy called again. He's going to complain. I just think it's, I think it's (laughs) pathetic. I seriously do. This is their job to deliver these movies to us. This is the only choice we have unless we go to the mall and they don't do it a whole heck of a lot better. And And I'm just like, seriously, you have a job. It's not to just sit there and you're out there in the lobby or sell popcorn. It's to fill up my $2 magic popcorn bucket. That's their job. I mean, we pay money to see these. We keep them there. I go to other locations because sometimes because they suck so much at their job. So get it together, man. How was the aspect ratio of Hotel Transylvania 3? (laughs) Fine. 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 (laughs) Fine. Loved it. Popcorn was great. Awesome. It was we, probably on the There was screen. nobody else in the theater. We chewed as loud as we wanted. You know why nobody's in those theaters? Because it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. <laughs> and they do shoddy work. <laughs> I saw a couple movies from this year, though, that I rented. One was, had Charlize Theron. It's the movie uh, written by Diablo Cody, writer of Juno. It's called Tully. Directed by... Jason Reitman. Is that where she lands a plane on the Hudson? Yes. Yes. A lot of seagulls and such. Um, A mother of three hires a night nanny to help with her newborn. If you... You know, I've ever had children... Cliff, I think your wife would like this movie. Okay. Tully. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got Mackenzie Davis, I think is her last name. Yeah. And Ron Livingston from Office Space. It's yeah. really good. It really just gives you. It's just another way of showing how much how tough it is to be a mother. And it's got. I really don't want to spoil anything. There's not much I can say about it except I recommend it. Uh, it's it's a nice movie with a good message, and I had a little, little surprise to it, and I just thought it was well done. I enjoyed it. It's no Babadook. No Babadook. I actually probably like this better than a Babadook. I wasn't a big Babadook. And what? Why? What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've been dying to talk to somebody about Babadook ever since I well, saw it. I watched it. What do you want to say? <laughs> you can't talk about it without completely spoiling it. Though. Oh, Didn't we talk was... about that during our Halloween? Yeah, because none of us had seen it, and we just okay. were like, I don't know, Babadook. What? That was three years ago. I don't remember. <laughs> I saw it. Uh, I watched another movie directed by Chloe Zhao. It's called The Rider. There's a lot of horse movies this year. I watched Lean on Pete. Uh, that was another one. It was fine. This was probably the better of the two. Are there a lot of horse movies yes. out there? Yes. This is the year of the horse movie. There's <laughs> another biscuit. one. I can't remember the name of it. But the Rider. Um, what was neat about it? It started Brady... Jandro, I think is his name, but it's him. He's a, he's a rodeo rider. He got injured, you know, hurt his head, and basically needs to stop doing what he loves, what he was meant to do. He's a it's a gold in the buckle, yeah, he's burn a, in the knuckle. He's a <laughs> gold thing rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> Second verse, same as the first. No, he's a he just. 
great rodeo rider, and he, you know, hates that he's not going to be able to do it anymore. And, you know, what's just him having to deal with that? What was great about One other thing was great about it. This guy, it, it was, she found, the director, Chloe, like, doesn't know anything about American Western. She, I don't know what country she's from, but she came, came here and just embedded herself in this area and was, you know, got to know these people and just decided, you know, learned a little of their story, decided to make a movie about it, you know, added some fictional aspects to it. But he actually played himself, basically. This happened to him. At the beginning of the movie, he's got a gash on his head from getting injured, and that's a real gash. He really did. And the guy playing his dad is really his dad, and the girl playing his sister is really his sister. And he, a lot of it is him having to find alternative ways to, uh, you know, live his life. He tra- he trains horses, and they sh- are showing him breaking horses, and he's really doing it. He's he, you just see these horses respond to him, and it was just kind of amazing to see because you knew it wasn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to get a horse to act, you know, like this, and it, it, he's really breaking a horse right, you know, right in front of you. And it, there's a another guy in it that is played by the real guy. He's terribly injured. From riding, you know, doing bull riding and such, and he—they're showing old videos of when he was really great, and now he's not. It, you know, it really choked me up at the end. It was really excellent, dramatic movie, and I would—I would recommend that one also. What about you, Jordan? Would you watch? I watched some essential movies. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Ooh, Nine movies in July. Wow. Make up that ground. So that puts you at? 54. Okay. First one I watched, the beginning of July. What movie should you watch? Jaws. Of course. Fourth of July on Amity. Great uh, composer, John Williams. <laughs> Heard of him. <laughs> Heard of that guy. Uh, what else is there to say about that? Yeah, not much. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Right. Richard Dreyfus. Is this music coming over? <laughs> that was quick. I'm on it tonight. Classic, classic summer blockbuster. I watched North by Northwest, Alfred Hitchcock. Ooh, that's a good one. This was the classic uh, mistaken identity spy movie. Um, that holds up, I think. Yeah, I. The first hour or so felt like a drug a little bit and there were some things of like no wait why did you do it that way because they kind of tell you what happened you know there, there weren't a lot of twist endings back then yeah they kind of lay out the plot so I'm like nowadays this movie would have been structured completely different they tell you he's George Kaplan they, they mistake him as the spy George Kaplan and within half an hour you know the truth about George Kaplan I'm like that would have been the end reveal back then but Right. You know, I'm going to second guess Hitchcock. <laughs> okay, you, you you definitely have a, a lot, lot leg stand on you. And apparently, a panel of fashion experts from GQ in 2006 called the gray suit that Cary Grant wore as the best in film history hmm. and the most influential of men's style ever. All right. Okay. Good looking dude. <laughs> I like that drop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I watched Alien, Ridley Scott, 1979. Oh, wow. I that one, too. Another classic. Uh, 
sci-fi, horror, either, whatever category you put it in, it's one of the best of either. Yep. Gosh, I haven't watched that for a little while now. Yeah, I watched uh, Alien and Aliens last year. Both uh, yeah, and there's so many sequels and spinoffs, and, and it, you kind of forget the simplicity of that first movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of, uh, what, uh, like seven characters in the whole movie. Yeah. And they're all just blue-collar you know, a couple of them are just engineers, and they're just regular people. They're not the space marines of the sequels and that kind right. of stuff. Yep. And uh, screenwriter Dan O'Bannon, it's the that everyone has ripped off Alien since Alien came out, but the screenwriter said he drew inspiration from a ton of sci-fi and horror, and he said, "I didn't steal Alien from anybody. I stole it from everybody." <laughs> so he took the classic tropes of the monster movie, the haunted house movie. The thriller movie, Jaws, that type of you know intense horror, and put it in space, and it revolutionized. And now, almost every movie since then owes something to Alien as well. Uh, then we have Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's final western in 1992. I love that movie. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Like I was, like, you I thought that was a ugh. No, it was just like, I'm so excited. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was on the poster. Yes. It's it's great. Oh, I, I don't you, know. That would have got a... <laughs> you'd have, but I'm saying, like, some of Clint Eastwood's other westerns are not on the poster, so I would debate, mm-hmm. eh, is this really the most iconic one? Yes. But, again. Little Bill. Ned. But it does that, you know, the, the famous quote, it's a hell of a thing killing a man. This movie makes you question violence. You know, yeah. so many Westerns are just like, ah, I killed that guy, I shot that guy. Like, this one makes you sit on it and, like, look how this happened. Look what the results yeah. are. Look how bad this just is. Just to hear it, just the whole the whole movie spent talking about violence and Little Bill gets to act like he's the biggest, baddest guy of the whole movie. And that reporter, you know, and then to really see what violence is, yeah. you know, see, no, this is the real deal. Yeah, it's not that sanitized your money. Hollywood version yeah. that, you know, Eastwood took most of his career. Although his were much more gritty and realistic than, you know, John Wayne mm. movie or whatever. But it's still a commentary basically on the history of Westerns. I love that movie. So that got me on a Gene Hackman kick and I watched The French Connection. Ah, I watched 1971, that. William Friedkin. Yeah, I watched that about a year ago for the first time. Yeah. I, what do you think of it? I did not um, love it. It gets a lot of love. Again, it's one of those more groundbreaking ones. The famous car chase is one of the most famous. That is history. all I know about that movie. Going, yeah. Chasing the train underneath the bridge. Yeah. And uh, you know, the way they filmed it, they kind of sped up the... Uh, frames per second to yeah. make it look like it's going faster right, and right. put a put a camera right on the bumper and like that kinetic energy we hadn't seen in a lot of movies mm-hmm. before. I, before you move on, I was at because um, I watched that and then I watched another one um, with him at the time around probably around that time. Uh, the conversation, mm. you seen that? Mm-hmm. I like that so much better. I would, yeah, I might put that on here instead of French Connection. Yes, I, I love that movie. Yeah. Um, then it was on to Singing in the Rain. Oh. I was whistling that earlier, and I was thinking, why am I whistling that? And I have no... Uh, w- you had a bit... I mean, did that not cross your mind that you're going to talk about that and no, I'm whistling? I don't remember you, you know, whistling it. I was. We were sitting here. I don't know Play why Play the tape back. No, it was before. It was when he <laughs> had to walk back over and get a different computer. <laughs> Still forgot his Oh, was that half hour of technical difficulty? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. 
That is weird. I had never seen it. The only thing I knew about it is the famous scene of the lamppost and stomping in the puddles. And I thought it was very fun. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was... I, I'm not a musical guy. I've said that before. Although I, then I he claims gush, to not I be gush a musical about guy. Yeah. Wizard yeah, of Oz sure. and I gush about uh, West Side Story. But this was a, a fun, fine movie. It had some very clever dialogue. Um, it is about a couple of silent film stars as the world turning into the talkie version. And the female star has a horrific voice. Can't sing. And has a crazy accent. Uh, Debbie Reynolds is her voice double. She Uh does the singing behind the starlet who can't sing. And then it's about her, you know, jealousies and that kind of stuff. So, but it's really cute. They fall in love. There's obviously some very classic songs involved. And I'm glad I watched it. It's like, I I don't know. Since I was a kid. Again, I don't know that I ever would have sat down to watch this if I didn't feel obligated. That's the whole point of the poster. uh, So I'm glad I did it. Thank you, poster. Thank you, Mr. Poster and Golden Boy Low. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, did we uh did we mention there's a new poster they just put out? Oh top, no, we did not mention Top Graphic Novels. Yeah. yeah. So, so get ready woo! get re- get your twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen coming for you. So Guess what Jordan wants for movies, Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Justin. <laughs> Santa Justin. <laughs> I, there's no way I could do that in a year because it's it's oh, a wait. little too time consuming. I can barely do this. Um, and I watched Spirited Away. Well, that's Hayao a... Miyazaki, the only anime yeah. on the poster. That's hmm. this I'd seen a couple of times and always really liked it. Uh, it got brought over. I mean, it was huge in Japan, broke all kind of records, and then the Disney company kind of repackaged it and brought it over here. You're looking at me like I'm wrong. No, I... Well, okay. okay. It's di- I, I planned to watch it for that one list we were talking about doing. But I've been talking about doing that nobody wants to do. But Spoilers. Right, right, right. But yeah, um, just it said he... Uh, Miyazaki went on vacation with a family that had a couple of daughters and was watching the stuff that they were watching and was just like, this is terrible. <laughs> This is not good for young girls. There's nothing to to look up to here. So he got in his mind. I have to create this fantasy of a strong young girl and you know family bonds and and being self reliant and all this stuff. And just this is, I mean, it's this is a Disney movie. This is a, a iconic character who would be like a Disney princess, mm-hmm. but it's Japanese. And I'm sure Mulan, right. <laughs> No, no. Oh, that's, that's a whole that's, different country. <laughs> no, that's China, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm sure, as a Western audience, it, well, it's about a girl who gets separated from her parents in this weird dreamland, and it's a resort for gods and monsters and demons and spirits. So when a spirit, you know, a nature deity wants to take a week off, they go to this spa and resort. So it's very fantasy oriented. And I said, as a Western audience, I'm probably missing. I'm sure there are references to you know, specific Japanese deities and right. and you know, folklore that we may not get, but it still works on every level. Yeah, I need to watch it. Was that it? Have you? Oh, you've never seen it? No. Okay. I think I like Princess Mononoke better. Yeah, I haven't seen from, that from Miyazaki. Nick probably has these. Back yeah, there. it's it's more up my alley. It's more of a more of an adventure story. But again, it has a very uh, 
environmental feel to it because it's talking about these natural things and what humanity's doing to the earth and mm-hmm. so there's there's that kind of lesson in it too. Um, then I watched Fargo, the basis for a, that show we like. Mm. I watched that about a year ago also again, and I just for me I didn't think it lived up to the way I remembered it. This movie is so beloved. I forget it's on you know the AFI's top 100. It was listed you know big Oscar winner Ebert listed it one of his top 10 movies of all time or something you know like yeah it's this very movie is loved. critically beloved and the Coen brothers are my favorite directors hands down and I said this it's kind of like you know uh, Raging Bull for Scorsese Fargo's about halfway down my list. There's so many movies I like better from the Coen Brothers, but yeah. still, it's it's a you know a classic. Yeah, it's good. I like it, but yeah, it's not my favorite Coen Brothers. And I watched Being John Malkovich. I just recorded that a couple weeks ago. I've, I haven't seen it for years, but I've yeah, seen I, it. I, I, yeah, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. 1999, director Spike Jones, and written by Charlie Kaufman. It was both of their first feature films. Kind of put them on the map for a mm. very distinctive kind of filmmaking. Um, so this was the one. John Cusack is the puppeteer who finds a, a small doorway portal and can go into the brain of John Malkovich. And so, reading up about this, I found a ridiculous theory Ooh. that I kind of I don't know what to make of it, but it's going to spoil both being John Malkovich and Get Out the movie. So, oh, okay. so if you haven't seen either of those, skip ahead a little bit maybe. But um, Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out. You know, this movie made a huge cultural impact. I see the ties between these. So he was doing an interview with Vanity Fair and a bunch of fan theories. They were shooting him all the fan theories and saying, Uh what do you think of these? And uh, so he was confirming, you know, which are true or false or, you know, making jokes. Um, And he said that he and Spike Jones had discussed this particular theory that Get Out is a secret sequel to being John Malkovich. Right. And he admitted they that was never conceived of or thought of until the film was done, but they liked the idea so much, they are both on board. And he says, as far as I'm concerned, it's true. <laughs> so both directors say it's true, so we have to do it. The theory is uh, Catherine Keener is in both these movies, yeah. and Maxine, her character from Malkovich, is the same character as Missy from Get Out. Right. This is just her years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. So Malkovich ends... With Maxine and Lottie, who is Cameron Diaz's yeah. character, they're raising a child who is fathered by John Malkovich. But unbeknownst to them, John Cusack, his character Craig, was trapped inside Malkovich's mind at the time. So the portal has been closed, and uh, yeah, and they, so they sought out other avenues for mind transplant experimentation. Eventually, coming across Roman Armitage, the neurosurgeon. <sighs> Lottie entered the body of Armitage, who was Bradley Whitford, Roman's son, and Emily, combined with the spirit of Craig living in his own sunken place, grows up to become the malevolent sociopath that is Rose Armitage, who was Alvin Williams in the movie. All completely complicit in the scheme. Uh, Regarding his video about the theory in January issue of Empire Magazine, Peel expressed interest in casting John Malkovich in a Get Out sequel, saying it'd be cool to do the full trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're making it. They're supposedly talking about making a Get Get Out 2. What the what? Yeah. That's pretty funny. It's it's a frustrated John Cusack who pushed. (laughs) I believe it. I'll get with it. 
That's pretty funny. Again, that's not in my write-up on lowwords.wordpress.com. <laughs> that's content you only get here. Oh, well. But if you want to read my full reviews of all these movies and many, many more, check out my blog. Hey, let's do. Let's finish this up. Wrap it up with one job. One job forever. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm gonna do it. Okay? You talker! You had one job to do. We got four, sir. Jordan Lowe. Um. Well, back when we did what, John Travolta. Which is a suggestion from our wonderful new fan who we haven't heard from lately. I think she's already quit listening. That didn't take long, did it? <laughs> We've run her off already. But we asked her to come up with some female characters or actors, actresses. And she shot a list to us, and our favorite was Gina Davis. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's list off some Gina Davis things. We got all those things. Stuart Little, <laughs> Accidental Tourist, Fletch, uh, Quick Change, Cutthroat Island. What are you? I just realized something that was cool, but um, trying to name some of the littler ones here. I never saw Cutthroat Island. I didn't either. It had such a reputation as mm-hmm. a, a dud and a bomb that yeah. I never did get around to it. Well, really all that's left are the big ones she was in. We got Beetlejuice. Yep. The Fly. Mm-hmm. Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. She's in Tootsie. A League of Their Own. I don't think any of those are my pick. I haven't said my pick. She's very good in Tootsie. I just rewatched that recently. I haven't. I recorded it after you said it's one of her. I think one of her very first roles. But she's as the as the ingenue actress on the soap opera. She's really good. Yeah. Well, I I think I know my pick just because. Well, you haven't said Family Ties. That's, That's true. true. She was on a oh, couple episodes. Alex P. Keaton was all about I was too. I was like. She was on a couple episodes. Uh, Elise had just had the baby. Yeah. We brought in the young youngest Keaton when the other ones are getting older. We cousin Oliver a little bit. And she needed to hire a nanny to help out around the house. And they couldn't find anybody they liked until Gina Davis walks through the door, who is like two feet taller <laughs> Than right. Michael J. Fox. Right. And he just instantly falls in love with her. She's the worst nanny ever. She burns all the food and can't keep a house. And it's just terrible. But Alex will not let her go. And she's in a, a couple episodes. And it's I, I love that show. It's one of my favorite sitcoms. Oh, of all I time. rewatched it a couple of years ago. It was on. So I just started going through and just watching all the episodes because yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I went. I, it holds up. It's still oh very my gosh. good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. There was. I was the perfect age for this. Like, right in that heyday, I'm like 13, 14 years old. I was watching Alex P. Keaton, Back to the Future. I was, he was the number one guy for me. I love Michael J. Fox. And I, I mean, I would go through the phase where, well, I gotta dress up and get my sweater vest. If you didn't let me monogram my oh, shirt. Oh, tell I me wanted. you wore a sweater vest as Mayor Munchkin. <laughs> no, this is a lot after, oh. far after Mayor Munchkin. Oh. But, 
but yeah, I was a big Michael J. Fox fan, so I was. So you saying Stuart Little reminded me that was Michael J. Fox voicing right, Stuart. Yeah. That was the reteaming oh, of the duo. Wow. Full circle. So yeah, that's not my pick, but uh, 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 that's great. Call, I'm classic, glad you brought it up. Classic. Yeah. I keep forgetting that these people did things other than movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she had, she started on her own drama. She she was what she was president of the oh, United States yeah. or something. She had a long running oh, primetime series. What was that? Gosh, it, it wasn't remember. that long ago. Um, well, I didn't I didn't watch? Actually, that. the first the first thing besides a league of their own that came to mind was a movie called The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. I know there's people I know love. I love that movie. It's got Samuel L. Jackson in it. She plays a like a Samantha Kane. Yes, she plays um, like a mother, mild mannered housewife. Yeah, and who is secretly you know has this whole past life as a spy. Yeah, she lost her. She lost her memory. And. Yeah. You know, started realizing she has all these skills. Good evening, pretty lady. How about some company? No, thanks. I'm saving myself till I get raped. Step in the alley. I ain't asking you. I'm telling you. You're early. So Perkins wants me dead, huh? What's the rush? Why don't you just go away and come back at midnight? Shoo. Hey, honey. This is a real big gun. This ain't no ham on rat, pal. What the hell are you doing? Saving your life. I would have been here sooner, but I was thinking of that ham on rat line. You think I can't take him? Well, you probably scared the other ones away. What up? Headhunters, Nimrod. They don't travel alone. You're always the stupid idiot. You take lessons. I took lessons. Hey, what? A lot of things rip this movie off. There, you know, it's this, a great movie. Yeah. That's, that's my pick. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I love this movie, uh, and I remember just—I felt like I discovered it because it wasn't like a big hit. It it had to become it had to become a cult favorite. Yeah. yeah. When we I we like I said my friend I've said before had a home theater store and they we this would play there all mm-hmm. the time. There are some great scenes. In that movie, Samuel Jackson wasn't that well known at the time. No, not at all. I remember going. I remember going to the theater and see it, and seeing it. I uh, a group of us. I remember Jamie and Joe were, went, and um, we instantly loved the movie. Oh, man, the ending's crazy. Yes, like it's just it's a great movie. Oh. It, like it's one of one of my favorite movies, and I you know I favorite, but. It's it's very possibly in my top one hundred, and I I just I love it. So she's great. I, in I think things. you just convinced Cliff. He can't think of anything better. <laughs> well, I mean, she's the League of Their Own. Yeah, she's a, great in the League of Their Own. Yeah, fantastic. That's animal. my yeah. pick. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I, a great. I, I cannot fault that, yeah. but that's not. Um, that doesn't hit me like this. It yeah. won't be my pick for this, but I have to give the fly. All credit. Do you ever change your clothes? What? Clothes. You're always wearing the same clothes. No, these are clean. Uh, I change my clothes every day. Five sets of exactly the same clothes? Learned it from Einstein. This way I don't have to um, 
spend any thought on what I'm going to wear. I just grab the next set on the rack. I bought some steaks. Can I make you one? We can go out. Cheeseburger. I've seen a lot of movies that are in my top ten, but The Fly yeah. is one of the just best it. horror movies ever made. Yeah, I just bought it on Blu-ray. It, it it transcends the horror movie, and when we get to doing Jeff Goldblum's one job, I'm going to filibuster the heck out of it because <laughs> oh. I will I will say nothing but The Flies. Jeff Goldblum gave an Oscar-worthy performance in The yeah. Fly. Isn't that? I mean, she deliver doesn't she deliver the line? Be afraid. Be very afraid. She be afraid. Be, afraid, be, be very, very afraid. afraid. So she, put that in, Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> we already did it, so fine. Um, but yeah, so it's Jeff Goldblum. It's basically uh, this is the. Are perfect, you going to filibuster now? Yes, this? I'm going to start now. I'm going to lay the groundwork. <laughs> oh my gosh! But it's the perfect reboot of a movie. We normally hate reboots, but the the, the original Fly was a, a 50s horror movie about atomic power and meddling with science. I'm watching it tonight. And that was the 50s. In the 80s, it was about disease and decay, AIDS, cancer, the environmental decay, and that's what this is. It is a man falling apart in front of our eyes, and Gina David, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum gets the fancy makeup and the big speeches and the great lines Gina Davis has to play off all that as the woman who loves him and has to watch someone die before her eyes slowly and it's it's a horror movie and it's horrific but it has such a heart to it and it's just heartbreaking every time and Gina Davis is wonderful in it but I just don't think it's that iconic of a role right. for her at this juncture that was interesting wow. how you made that about her okay <laughs> Uh, I, I think you have inspired me to actually watch. I bought it a couple months ago, and I haven't watched it you know, because I haven't seen it in years, and I remember really liking The Fly. And I was like, I need to own that and watch watch it, and I'm going to tonight. Nice. So I am not. I just need to. Um, <laughs> that is so not Cliff. That's like the as far opposite yeah. of a Cliff movie yeah. as you can get. Uh, I just need to decide: Do I like my Gina Davis with a baseball bat and a glove, or you like her slicing and dicing the uh, the butcher knife yeah. and a sniper rifle? And, well, we have to bring up Thelma and Louise. I mean, yeah, do do we? <laughs> I mean, we don't have to. If we're woke, we do. That's yeah. one of the first I don't, you know, uh, female uh, empowerment. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's a fine movie. It's not one of my favorites. I, pro- no. well, if you say Gina Davis, I'm guessing ninety percent of the population probably thinks Thelma and Louise first. Yeah, Thelma they? and Louise, the League of Their Own. I'm sure. So you know, many others. So, so many. many others. I like her. It is funny, though, looking at the list, though. I, I'm always surprised by how few things people have done. I. It's just we've seen the things they mm-hmm. did so many times. Yeah. yeah. I love The League of But, yeah, own. there are so few. That just shows how many great movies come out in a year. How many iconic performances are there. And yeah. even these huge Hollywood stars, you only get a couple chances to have a really iconic, memorable life-defining role and to ha- even to argue about a couple of them like we have is kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as A League of Their Own goes, I have hope. I'm, I'm sure when we do eventually Tom Cruise or Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise? We did it, it's man. Late. It's locked up. It's late. <laughs> they, keep, they, they get me over here and then they <laughs> keep me here later and later every time we do this. That's great. Tom Wear Hanks. Down. Yeah, or once, if we once ever, you hit record, you're free to leave. Things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can figure the rest out. We can pull a plug. Damn. 
But well, I, you think that Tom Hanks is gonna? No, well, no, no, no. But maybe, maybe Rosie O'Donnell, maybe Madonna <laughs> when yeah. they come up. Yeah, when they come up. <laughs> I, I, League of Their Own is great. I love it's it. It's a wonderful movie. Lori and Petty isn't even going to get, get, get this. I've got a better movie for Lori. But that, to me, that is Gina Davis, like the height of her skill. Not only her beauty and like that girl next door, just gorgeous woman. Right. Yeah. But, you know, that, that she played, you know, the big sister. You interested? Come on. $75 a week. Pull her leg for a while. Mine are long enough already. Look, your, your country needs you, and uh, you can not only play ball, but you're kind of a dolly. That's what we're looking for. Oh, oh, now I get it. Well, listen, mister, I'm a married woman. My husband's overseas. Oh, relax. I'm talking looky-no-touchy. Just that we want girls who are easy on the eye. Well, I'll go. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I gotta sign something? I don't want you. I want her, the one who hit the ball. You can climb back under the cow. She's good. She's very good. She's a pitcher. She just didn't pitch today because she pitched the day before. Well, thanks for that extra special glimpse into her life. I want you. You I saw, you I like. Now, what do you say? There's a train leaving for Chicago tomorrow. Oh, come on. What do you say? Are you in? No, thanks. Daddy. No, thanks. (laughs) Hey, no skin off my ash, Tabula. You want to stay here plucking cows, that's your business. You know something? You're not nice. Ooh, that one hurt. So long, milkmaids. Like my own brother. You know, there's that sibling (laughs) rivalry of the sister who gets everything and always seems to have the easy road, and there's the younger sister. From now on, that's how I'm going to (laughs) describe Justin Lois, the sister who gets everything. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's that animosity. She loves her sister, but she has to, she can't brag about her own success. She's not even going to go when she gets drafted without her younger sister. Right. And it's that she has to play it so close to the vest and just, I don't know, it's such a great performance and and it's so, it becomes one of those you know, famous female empowerment movies and it's just all on her shoulder to carry it, I think. I, I don't know. There's so many. I do love that movie and I think there are some great performances in that movie, not just Gina Davis. But when it comes down to what I love about Gina Davis, I the reason go, we started... I I, ha- I hate to do this, this because I honestly didn't think anybody else would have known this movie. <laughs> you thought that we were going to pick a league of their own. I, I did. You thought and you were going to get to uh, pick Superman. Cliff always gets yeah. to go in the back door. Uh, he, he thinks he's going to get to say long as goodnight, but it's not going to get picked. Well, I got news for you, uh, brother. It's the long that kiss was, goodnight. That was my pick from the beginning. When he said Gina Davis a couple weeks ago, I was like, I know my pick. Uh, that's that's my Gina Davis movie. So that's it. Can't fight City Hall. That's right. <laughs> In the uh, Gray's Almanac, the only job Gina Davis ever had was Samantha Kane from The Long Kiss Goodnight. Who the f*** are you? His name's Charlie. The spy. Nice to meet you. Drink? Yeah. All right. All right. We did it. Yeehaw. Yay. <laughs> Jordan's disappointed. Okay. We no, got yeah, some titles for this episode. I've got... Oh, come on. I've got three. Creepy Cable. We only need one. It's, uh, I have... Keepy Crable. 
<laughs> You're right. Uh, Troikas and Triumvirates. And the one that I think will grab them. I'll be dipped. I'll be dipped. <laughs> You're not picking League of Their Own. I will be dipped. <laughs> All right. I guess I got my other baseball movie in with Field of Dreams. So yeah. I can't complain about League of Their Own. All right, next week we're doing Rosie O'Donnell. Yes. <laughs> One job. <laughs> and I still, I would not pick that. <laughs> I have a better movie for Rosie O'Donnell. Now you're it? thinking. Yay. No. <laughs> yeah. I move on. This is over. Yep. Onward uh, and upward. He's halfway out of the door. Say your name right. and we're out the door. Say your name. Say your name. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Where can you find us? www.udanwithkbp.com. At the Kapow Podcast on Twitter, leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars would be wonderful. Whoa. You can find us on Google Play. Really? Yes. Cool. We've always been on Google Play. I'll check that out. And and the sister who has nothing. That's me, Jordan Lowe. I'm Cliff Barnes. I'm Seth Five Forever. Kapow! The Pop Culture Podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Sounds, music, and clips played during the podcast are property of copyright holders. All original content is property of www.udownwithkpp.com. When he does come, that's how he's getting introduced. <laughs> I can't wait. So, and <laughs> was that all? Was that when the last episode? Or was that this one we were talking about? What about Justin? Last episode. Yeah, okay. Awesome. Well, together. Whatever. Okay, you guys ready? Harold Pirin Boom. Pirin Boom. Boom, 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 boom. Red leather, yellow leather, pearl mutter. Pirin Boom. Pirin Boom. We're ready. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's how you know we're ready when I can say that. <laughs> Oh wait, that's the wrong. That's the wrong intro. That's old. Hey, wanna have? What are you bring? <laughs> Sit back and relax with me as we listen to Michael K. Eason. Oh my God. And Jordan Love on the so. Can't stop it. Are we stuck in the loop? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Wrong, wrong intro. Here we go. Right again. Red leather.